0: creation as we look ahead to another year we look above to you your grace is enough your mercy is new every morning and your power is made perfect in our weakness this year we have faced many trials we have fought many battles we have learned many lessons and we have prayed many prayers But this is our hope in life and in death. You are the God who sees. You are the God who knows. You are the God who cares. And you are the God who loves. And so we pray for courage to face our giants. We pray for grace to cover our guilt. We pray for strength to overcome our challenges. We pray for joy in all circumstances. And we pray for vision to see what you see. face this year, but we do know this, it will never be faced alone.
1: I love the way that starts out, God of all creation. He's the one, was him. He created everything that we see, he created the the patterns of weather created the cold, created the warmth. Um, you know, I, a weatherman that I watch says that uh, there's always a balance on the planet. There's all, if it's cold, cold somewhere. It's warm, warm somewhere else. And it, the cold just kind of moves around and the warm, it kind of moves around the warm. And, and so just, just think of it this way. Our suffering is causing someone else to enjoy warmth somewhere else on, (laughs) on on the earth. Um, I mean, it is January in Wyoming, right? So there is that. Last week we looked at two points concerning having a clear vision for the for the year 2024. Those two points were what? Point number one: Look to Jesus. I think I heard that. Point number two: Look to Jesus. Yes. Those were the two points last week. Look to Jesus, and I implore you, I I am testifying before you that Jesus must be our vision every day. No matter what happens when you get up in the morning, no matter how many frozen pipes you have in your house, no matter how hot it is, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He must be the one to whom we cling to in a relationship with Jesus is where we will find the true who that we are. Not, you know, there, we, we do need to, I think, research what, what should we do, what, 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 how, when, why, those sorts of things. But, but we need to start with who are we? Who are we in God? Who has he created us to be? Jesus, because Jesus created all things. And that includes you. That absolutely includes you. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The word is Jesus. He is God. He has always been, and he will always be. Forever and ever, amen. And all things were made through him. Nothing that was made was made without him, Jesus. And and that, of course, includes you. He also fashioned you. You you are his masterpiece. He intentionally put you together to be who you are, to look like you, to, to have the attributes that you have. He intentionally fashioned and formed and crafted you. Let's not forget that. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Before the creation of the foundations of the earth, he knew you were going to be sitting in this room, looking the way that you are looking and being who you are this morning, Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been fearfully and wonderfully be, been made by the creator of all. Let that soak in this morning. David says, Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. He created you, he fashioned you, and he did those things by making you in his image. That's our first point this morning. Jesus made you in his image. Now, I I have an example here. I brought, borrow this from somebody, and I was hoping there might be somebody here today who could play this, but I don't see anybody who is taking violin lessons. Um, I certainly can't play this, and it is a very hard instrument to play. You can play it? No, they're not here. I don't. Who's here? Addie, no, I'm not going to put her on the spot. I, I wanted her to feel a little heat this morning, but um, so here's, here's the thing, and, and I just want to make sure I get these details right. Um, violins are living, breathing things almost. They're, they're handcrafted. At least the good ones are, are handcrafted. And you, many of you know the story. There was a man by the name of Antonio Stradivari. He was a very accomplished violin maker. And over time, his violins have become one of the most powerful and expensive brands in the world. In fact, in 2011, a Stradivarius violin in pristine condition sold for $15.9 million. Um, And then in 2014, another Stradivarius went up for auction with a minimum bid of $45 million. Now, that auction failed, but it does underscore the trend that a Stradivarius, which this is not, though it is somebody else's, so I want to take care of it, um, is just gonna keep climbing in in demand and in investors and professional musicians. Now, the question that I asked is, is a Stradivarius really worth that large sum of money? Is it really worth that? And according to many sites online, it depends on who you ask. Um, In a highly publicized blind test, Professional violinists couldn't tell the difference between the multi-million dollar strads and more modestly priced modern violins. Couldn't tell the difference. On the other hand, some elite violinists swear by somebody does they're willing to pay millions of dollars for them and they claim that the subtle superiority of the instrument only becomes apparent over time when it's played over years, not days or months. Now the debate will continue and as it does the Stradivarius will get older and I would suggest probably more valuable. Now the point of the illustration is that the value of the Stradivarius violins uh, begins with the maker it's because they have the name Stradivarius on them and they can be proven to be made by him that gives them that value now I watched uh, I watched another thing and I don't remember when it was done but but it's been a while they A newspaper wanted to do some tests, so they grabbed this really, 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 really good violin player. He was he he earned like thousands of dollars a minute playing for for people and they dressed him up in in a baseball cap and a hoodie and they put him down in the subway in one of Boston subways and they and he plays a Stradivarius. He played a Stradivarius for two hours. Opened his case, you know, put it out there for people to throw money in. And I think he made like $32 an hour when he was down there. There was one person who knew who he was that went by him that day. And she just stood back by the wall and watched him the entire time. Because she thought to herself, I would never be able to afford this kind of concert Oftentimes, we don't recognize the value of something because we don't know that something. The value, and I, I'm not a violinist, and you know, again, I think probably most of the people in this room who play violins wouldn't probably be able to tell the difference between a Stradivarius and, and a, a modern violin either. Now, I would be afraid to hold one because I would be afraid of dropping it or breaking it or reducing the value of that somehow by, I don't know, putting a scar or something on it. But, but here's the thing. Um, we need to admit that every human being on the planet is loved and valued by God because Jesus made you in his image. Just like the name and, and who the maker is what made those Stradivarius violins valuable, Our maker, who made us, is where our value comes from. You know, I would suggest that those Stradivarius violins are worth, probably worth that, just sitting on a shelf. They don't even have to be played by somebody. Just by being a Stradivarius, it has value. You and me, just by being created in the image of God has incredible value and worth 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 so great that the creator of all things was willing to go to a cross on your behalf. Now we need to realize that not to be arrogant about, you know who we are, but to realize that, that we have an enemy in this world and his, his main goal is to diminish your value in your own eyes before God. He's done that since the Garden of Eden. He's tried to deceive and break apart our relationship with God, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So we have an all-powerful and sovereign maker who made us in, him, in his image. And what does that mean? What does it mean to have the image or likeness of God? And in the simplest terms, as I said very briefly last week, is that we were made to resemble God, not physically because he is spirit. We're told that in Scripture, John 4, 24, that God is spirit and therefore exists without a body. However, Adam's body did mirror the life of God insofar as he was created in perfect health and was not subject to death when God formed him. Now, Zachary David Anderson looks kind of like me when he was a baby his baby pictures and my baby pictures you couldn't tell them apart other than mine were in black and white his were in color you couldn't tell us apart Um, he walks like me he talks like me he stands in similar ways like me now he's much better looking and he's a whole lot smarter when it comes to math and other things But his biological makeup partly came from me. He was formed in a way in my image, so to speak. Um, But he is similar to me. I I was watching an interview that Brady Cook did the other day, uh, and some of you may have watched it as well. And as I'm watching it and listening to it, of course, Sarah is sitting next to me, and she's listening too, and she says, man, he sounds just like his dad. Why is that? Because that's where he came from. Um, There are many similarities. Why? And and I mentioned that to Chris, of course. He's like, yeah, you're the first one to tell me that. I think think he was up to 14 people who told him that Brady sounded just like he did. Brady has his dad's genes. God himself tells us that that is how we were made in Genesis chapter 1. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 with me, if you would. Genesis chapter 1. And I wanna read verses 27 through 28. Actually, let me, uh, I wanna read, we're gonna start in verse 26. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us, that is, that us is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, three in one. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. And subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This image of God refers to the immaterial part of humanity. It's what sets us apart from the animal world. It, it fits us for the dominion that God intended us to have over the earth, and it enables us to be able to have a relationship with Him. Uh, Acts 17 28, I, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, for in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. We are His offspring. Now, God, God is sovereign over all things, uh, He has all the power, <laughs> He has all of the authority. But he has granted us some of that as we bear his image. He has given us power and responsibility over the earth. It says it right there in Genesis chapter 1. We have power over the earth. Subdue it and rule. That is our God-given responsibility as we are created in his image. When God created mankind, he said it was very good. It was very good. The rest of creation is good. And oh man, mankind is very good. It's very good. Mountains and streams and clouds and snow and rain and beaches and ocean. Those are good. And, and I love animals. I love dogs and horses. I love to watch eagles soar and beavers swim and slap water. Um, I love to watch dolphins swim and moose graze. I I saw a video last night. It was, the you know, that big, huge, I don't know what they call it, but that big, huge bell on the front of big ships that breaks the water. You know, it parts the water at the front. There were two dolphins in this video, and they were swimming right in front of that. This ship is just sailing through the water, and these dolphins are just right in front of it. And the, the caption says that they were using the, kind of the push of the ship to go faster. And it looked like they were just swimming effortless. They were coming out of the water and they were, you know, I don't know what happens if a dolphin gets hit by a ship. Probably nothing. Um, I love animals. I I love, um, I love to watch moose graze from a distance. Um, We're to care for nature. But we're also to subdue it. We're to rule over it. Um, We're to subdue it, to conquer it, to rule over the fish and birds and every living creature that moves on the ground, God said. That was his God-given charge and responsibility to mankind. From the very beginning. You are special because God made you that way. You are above every other thing that He created because God made you that way. And the value of nature and animals does not supersede mankind. Ever. Bearing the image of God, we have power over the earth. We are also created in God's image mentally. We're created in God's image mentally. We were created as rational and volitional beings. Um, in other words, human beings can reason and we can choose. Anytime someone invents a machine, they're using, they're, they're, they're using a ref, they are a reflection of God's intellect and his freedom. I mean, God was so creative. And I've seen some pretty creative people in my life. nothing as creative as God, of course, but, but being created in His image, with part of that creation, they are very creative. So anytime someone invents a machine or writes a book or paints a landscape or takes a picture of a beautiful Wyoming scene or enjoys a symphony or completes a differential equation or names a pet, they are proclaiming in those actions that they have been created in and are being the image of God. Anytime we choose to do something, we're exercising the image we have received from God. Our ability to think through equations and to debate and to contemplate comes from the image of God that we bear. Animals don't have that level of mental capacity. Most of an animal's thought processes are God given as well, they're, but they're extinct, instinctual. They're not, they're not rational and volitional. You know, I don't think it goes through a coyote's mind if they should go eat that calf because it might not end well for them if the rancher doesn't like it. They don't think rationally. They just, they're hungry, and there's something over there that I want to eat, and then their instinct says, go eat that thing. So that's what they do. We have been created in the image of God mentally. We have been given power over the earth, and we also bear the image of God morally morally we bear God's moral image. Humanity was created in righteousness and perfect innocence, which was a reflection of the holiness of God. God saw all that he made, and he called it very good. Our conscience or our moral compass is a remnant of that original state. Whenever someone writes a law recoils from evil, praises good behavior or feels guilty, he or she is confirming the fact that they have been made in the image of God. They are bearing his moral image. God saw, verse 31 of chapter one, God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. One last image characteristic of God that we bear that I, I wanna mention this morning is I use the word socially. It's not the best word, but I think it fits. Um, and I'm not sure how many times I've repeated this statement right here, but we, you, you were created for relationship. You were created for relationship. That's the fourth way that we bear the image of God. Socially, you have Uh, You were created for fellowship, for relationship, and this reflects God's triune nature and and his love. He was interacting with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is a part of who he is. And that is a part of that, a part of that image is what has been given to us. It, It reflects God's triune nature and his love. In Eden, humanity's primary relationship was With God, man's primary relationship at the very beginning of his creation was with God. Adam and Eve, then, after God creates Eve, had an ongoing fellowship with God. Look at verse eight of Genesis chapter three. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now that verse It doesn't say a lot. It doesn't tell us a lot of detail, but I want to read between the lines a little bit. You know, the Lord God is walking through the garden, the cool of the day. It doesn't say that they were surprised that he was walking through it. It says that after the fall and after they sinned that now they were ashamed to, to be in his presence. I bet there were many long walks in the cool of the day with God in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve before this fall. It was a familiar sound. They knew it was God because they had heard him walking in the garden before. Being created in God's image gives us the capacity to be in fellowship with our creator, to talk to him, to walk with him, to surrender to him, and to trust him. And I pray that that is true for all of us who are listening today, that you are in fact exercising that part of God that you bear in relationship with him, and that you have trusted completely in him as your Savior and your Lord. Another daily working out of that image is our relationships with one another, of course. God made the first woman because it was not good that man was alone. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. So every time someone marries, every time you make a friend, Every time you give a hug to a child or you attend church, you are living out and demonstrating the fact that you were made in the likeness of God. That we are the likeness of God. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And having been created in God's image, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. We have the image of God and we are the image of God. We have power and are to subdue and care for where and what God has put us. We are and bear God's image mentally, morally, and relationally. Now the downside, if I may, of being made in God's image is that Adam also had the capacity to make free choices. There were other options available. There was that one tree. You know, we often like to say, when somebody screws something up, you had one job. Well, Adam and Eve, it's like you had one rule That's how deceptive and de- de- deceiving the temptation of the enemy can be. Oh, well, oh well, you sh- God only wants you not to eat from that because you'll be like him and and well. As we're seeing this morning, we already, they already were. They already were. They were created in God's image. Now I don't want to be overly critical of Adam and Eve because I'm sure I would have screwed it up too. Um, But they made the evil choice to rebel. Against their creator, because, because even though Adam and Eve were given a righteous nature, they had the equal and opposite ability to choose the opposite. Sometimes, sometimes we think, man, there are certain people in this world who are just, they're, they're some kind of different evil. I mean, they are just. How is that possible? And and I, I think about that and it breaks my heart, but as I think about that, I think that equally and there are other people on our planet who are equally and opposite as as good as they are evil. Now, not in and of themselves that good only comes through our relationship with Christ. But but think about it, you know, you you, you have the option. Uh, I, I read. A, I didn't actually read the story. I read the, the title of the article. Um, apparently, there was a, a, a young woman who was assaulted and raped. Um, I think it was in a, 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 an Uber or a taxi and, and became pregnant. And she chose to keep the child. And she's telling this story about what a blessing this child is, even though it was conceived in a bad way. Now, she could have equally and opposite as evil, ended that pregnancy for the justification of um, she became pregnant against her will. Abortion is just wrong, period. And I think we could hear story after story after story of people who carried that child to term and who later went, I can't even imagine my life without this child. Can't even imagine it. So they were deceived, Adam and Eve, into doubting God's love for them, into, into not trusting God. And in so doing, they then marred the image of God within themselves and they have passed on that marring, those scars, that damage to us. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, which was Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. So number two, the image that we bear has scars. That This image that God has created us in, it has scars. Today we still bear the image of God, no doubt about that, but we also bear the scars of sin. And those scars occur mentally and morally and socially and physically, and, and, and we show the effects of that sin. For instance, James 3.9, uh, James writes, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. So we have been given this thing, a tongue, a gift from God, and and we've been created in his image to be able to use that in a way that he would, and yet instead we choose to curse men who were created in the same way that we were, in the image of God. That is a scar. And there are many others, of course, that blemish the image that God created us with, pride, selfishness, self-centeredness, impatience, entitlement sexual immorality and and the list goes on now the good news is that when god redeems an individual he begins to remove those scars and restore the original image of god creating it would seem in us here on earth a new self new to me because the old self doesn't look like this the old self would have chosen that thing the new self Submitting to the authority of God in my life chooses differently. And that's a process that we are all undergoing right now. The restoration of the original image of God. New self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24 says. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That redemption and restoration from the sin that separates us from our holy God is only available by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's true of every person on the planet. And many of us here, I hope every one of us in this room and those who are listening have already received that gift. Our name is written in the book of life. We have been adopted into the kingdom of God by our creator and Savior, for it is by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You see, that's, that's the difference, I think, between being the creation of God and doing. Or, or, receiving the gift of salvation and making every effort I can to somehow earn it, to somehow be good enough. And, and that's just futile. That's a futile exercise. Through Christ, we are made new creations in the likeness of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul explains it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come so as we travel through the life through the, as we travel on our journey of life with its many ups and downs and discouragements and tragedies and choices and and, and tragedies that we endure because other people make choices that that hurt us let's look to jesus look to jesus Anchoring to him in the midst of those storms. And and we remember that we are his workmanship. Bearing the image of God with great value because of who our creator is and the gifts that he has given us. And that brings us to the main so what of knowing who we were created to be. And that is this. Jesus made your neighbor in his image too. I know you'd like to think otherwise sometimes. Jesus made your neighbor in his image too. And that image of God, of course, in your neighbor or your family member is scarred just as yours is. And they need and, and require the same kind of grace and mercy from God that you have received. Maybe they need it in different ways, in different areas of that image, but they too were created in the image of God. They too are God image bearers. So in the capacity that God has created us with, We then follow the command of Jesus as recorded in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And this is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That is possible because you have the image of God in your life. You were created that way. So you have the capacity to love God in that way. And the second is this, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are thinking, well, I kind of honestly hate myself, so I guess I have the excuse to hate my neighbor. No. You need to learn to be who God has created you to be. And recognize that that truly is something special. No matter what the enemy says to you no matter the accusations the enemy has, no matter what the enemy has done to you physically or mentally or socially, you were created in the image of God. And one of those purposes, as we recognize that we have been created in the image of God, is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As image bearers of God, we have the capacity, and and you can have the want to, to do good works because of the transformation that's happening in your heart through the Holy Spirit by the power of Jesus Christ. Loving others, forgiving others, bearing witness to Jesus Christ, serving others. All tall orders if you're just trying to do that with sheer discipline and human resources. But nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And if you think you can't forgive that person, look to Jesus. He will help you. He will mold that capacity into you. I know, you don't want to give it up. You want to hold on to it. You want to hold something over somebody's head. That is only poisoning you, honestly. It is. You got to let it go. It may seem unfair. Look, that other person, they're going to have to stand before God too, just as you will. And the question is, how did you respond to that? What action did you take in the face of that? Whatever it is. First Peter says it this way, First Peter 2 verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. That's a big challenge. But again, nothing is impossible with God. And as a side note, we're going to be in 2 weeks, 2 Sundays from today, we're going to kick off the book of 2nd Peter. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before we did 1st Peter, we're going to study through the book of 2nd Peter starting in 2 weeks. I hope you'll join us. We are to follow Jesus steps. We are to walk in his shoes and as bearers of his image, we can. You can do it. You can do it. And it takes submission and a contrite heart and a broken will and spirit, but... We can, and that takes me back to, to a woman by the name of Corey Tenboom who was in a prison camp in Germany and was, was faced one day. She, she was giving this talk. it was years, I believe, after uh, they were released from the concentration camp, and she was giving this talk at this church. She was talking about mercy and grace and how she's had to forgive and, and all of that. And in at the end of that time a man comes to the front and it was one of the it was one of the guards who had abused her and she right there in that moment is faced with the rubber meeting the road honestly she just got finished talking about how we can forgive and she in the quietness of her heart she said god you've got to give me the strength to do this and and he did in that moment she reached out her hand she shook his hand and said I forgive you I mean I haven't experienced anything like that God will give us the strength we can and that's the best place for us to be I bet Antonio Stradivari was an amazing violinist he had to be right I don't think you could create something if you were unable to play it. Now, I could be wrong. I didn't research that. That was a thought that came to me this morning as I was tidying up the, the message. Uh, I could be proven wrong there. But I bet he was. I bet he could make one of his masterpiece violins sing like no one else. How else would he know how to make one? That, and that is what we are in the hands of our Creator. Creator. You are the instrument. He made you. You are the tool. You are God's masterpiece. In His hands, you are His masterpiece. And you have value and the capacity to serve others because of that image. A a few other verses to write down in your notes to think about the rest of the week. Philippians 2, 3 through 5, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's exactly who Jesus was. Let's cry out to the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to regard others more important than ourselves. Here are a few other descriptions of who we can be. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Words of Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. Imitate Christ. Imitate Christ. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ, Paul says. Paul's basically saying, I'm trying to imitate Christ, imitate me. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's a lot that God has forgiven me. You know, I have a $100 bill here. I, I told people this morning that I needed, them, needed one for an illustration during church. I've gathered eight so far. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Did cross my mind, though. Um, <clears throat> so the value of a U.S. $100 bill is not based on where it has been, how it's been used, not even necessarily what it's, Made from, because every money bill that we have is made from the same material. What, what, gives, what gives this value? What says this is a $100 bill besides the big 100s on it? The picture, the picture on it, right? You know that if you have a Franklin in your pocket, that's a good thing. You know, Abe Lincoln, not so much. It takes a lot of Abe Lincolns to make up one of these. Right? That'd be a heavy pocket. See, George Washington tells us it's worth a dollar. Um, I don't even know all of them, actually. Who's on the 20? Jackson. Who? Jackson. Jackson. And, then, and then there's Grant. He's on the fifty. I started with a 50 this morning, actually, because the first five people I asked, they're like, no, I don't have a $100 bill in my pocket. (laughs) Yeah, me either. So this is, like I said, this is worth, because of the image that's on the front, and there are other things, too. Joseph was talking about the, I don't know. Some say that the government somehow makes this worth something, but that's becoming less and less true, because they just print them at will. But it's still pretty much worth that, right? So who would take this if I handed it to them? Rick, you would take this if I handed it to you, right? What about now? Still want it? Really? But it's all wrinkled and up. Iron You'll iron it out. <laughs> hey, that's a great way for this illustration to go. Apply a little heat. <laughs> a little iron, sharpening iron. Yeah, you see, it, 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 the illustration holds. If the worship team wants to come up now as we close with our final song, the illustration still holds. It doesn't matter that this is wrinkled or scarred or even torn a little bit. It still bears the image. It still is who it was created to be. And that's you and me. Some of us are more wrinkled than others. Some of us are more scarred than others. But every last one of us have been created in the image of God. And we need to not forget that. And we also need to not forget that that person sitting next to you, that person sitting across the room, maybe you're, 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 you're crossways with each other, That person was created in the image of God too. May we love as Jesus did. May we live in his image. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning and for what you're teaching us. And help us to look to you. Help us to to listen to you when you assure us and, and affirm to our hearts that, that we are your children and that we have been created in you and that you, where else would we turn? God, I pray that, 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 that the desire and the need or the want to, to turn anywhere else but to you would, would flee from every one of us. That we would know in our heads and that we would, it would work out its way in our hearts that it's you that we look to. It's you that we hold on to. It's you that we surrender to and you that we obey. Thank you, Jesus, for making us your masterpiece. Amen.